Welcome to the Game Speak Decides podcast. It's deciding time. Uh, there is um, Mike and Dean making strange faces in your cameras. It's your weekly source for a couple of guys taking video games way too seriously. Uh, I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is Games Beat lead writer, Dean Takahashi. Say hi, Dean. Hello. And then we have Mike Minotti freaking me out uh, up there in the upper right. He is our uh, he's our community manager. He's a writer. He's my cohort and my subordinate. Say hello, Mike. Hi. Oh, my God. This is <laughs> okay. I'm done. I'm done. This, is, this is already a train wreck. <laughs> um, how's it going, guys? Uh, who saw Rogue One? I want to talk about Rogue One. Who saw uh, I Rogue saw Rogue One? One. I saw Rogue One. Okay, so everyone, all right, so we've seen it. So let's just spoil it for everybody. Oh, good. What'd, what'd, you, what'd you guys think of uh, when, they, when they were like, here's five Death Stars? There were really five Death yeah, Stars. I I liked, believe it. Yeah, I was like really hoping for a six Death Star, so I was pretty disappointed. I, yeah, I, I agree with oh. you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I was happy that the one Death Star was actually the made Death Star thing from uh, Spaceballs. I was going to come in with the vacuum uh, cleaner. That was, uh, was impressive. I, li- I liked all the scenes of Luke as a farmer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Very good. Okay, well, uh, I'm kind of wondering what you guys have been doing. What, what have you guys been playing? Mike, why don't we start with you? Have you oh, been doing uh, anything fun? Um, I finally went through the Titanfall 2 campaign, which was super, super fun. That was like one of the better shooter campaigns we've had in a long time, really. Just kind of felt like it was kind of like Doom, actually, because I guess Doom was like mm-hmm. another one that was really good. But like, you know, in very different ways, it just kind of I don't know, it just felt a little different from kind of the glut of the uh, Call of Duty Me Too's that we've had recently, where even though it was definitely more like that than Doom was, it still was kind of more of all things platformy and um, mm-hmm. like this sort of like I don't even know if puzzles are the word, but, you know, it's, it's not just kind of, you know, corridor shooting. So yeah. I thought that was super fun. I kind of compared it. Uh, it's kind, it kind of felt like uh, Super Mario in parts, where yeah. the bad guys aren't really there for you to get into gunfights with. They're almost like Goombas. They provide little enemies yeah. for you to jump on to like chain well, your different combos, <laughs> your environmental combos together. I really love that. One of my favorite parts was kind of the section at the end where there's like a lot of like platforms I was running on. I kind of realized like I don't have to actually fight these guys. I could run through them. And you kind of have that ability to like turn visible for like a little bit every now and then. And it wasn't just like I was cheating a game. It was like still challenging in its own way. And it was actually like super exciting and fun because they're still doing their like radio chatter. Like they're all freaking mm-hmm. out like, oh, where is he? And it's like, yeah, this is can we Can we spoil, spoil it yet? Because it's no. like such an old game. But yeah. That, it's like that, a few months that, deep. That People are getting it for Christmas. That interesting mode, uh, you know, of uh, in the middle of a game, you know, where you're just oh, sort of yeah, let's going not, back let's and forth, going yet. back and forth. I think I think we're going to be cool. talking about that soon because Those I think next week we're going to record this week. We're going to record our game of the year. We're going to put that up next week. And that's we could spoil any game we want during that conversation. So if you're afraid about getting spoiled by a game on a, about a game, you guys should finish and play whatever you haven't finished and played <laughs> uh, because we're probably going to be talking about Titanfall 2 and that level in particular. Um, I, how about I you, finally, you've been playing anything? I finally, uh, well, I finally finished uh, Watch Dogs too. Uh, so that was. What do you think? And, you know, I think uh, you know for uh, what it was, uh, I, I think they did a very good job. Uh, you know, the the little mini games inside of it uh, were uh, more more fun this time than the original Watch Dogs, and you know, it had something to say. You know, it it had something at the end. Uh, it's basically your your message to beware of hackers and beware of giving all of your information to a company that might resell it to somebody who's evil. Right? So, and did you sign up um, for UPlay before you logged uh, into the oh, game? Yeah, I had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, 
I, I do appreciate that the game is like does have something to say, but it's always like you Ubisoft, you are doing all of these things. Like you are participating mm-hmm. in all of this. So it's always kind of hilarious when a corporation's like, beware the hackers. Uh, don't give co- corporations your information. Can you please sign this terms of service agreement while you're at it? Yeah. I like how they, they made sort of like real world companies and took them and fictionalized them and put them in the game. So Noodle is Google, Google uh, yeah. but it's kind of fun to figure out who a bunch of the other bad behaving companies are. Did you, were you um, sort of worn down by any of that? Because we're coming off like a pretty contentious election uh, with a lot of implications about, you know, what technology can do to our democracy. And this game has a lot of that stuff in it. And for mm-hmm. me, it was always like I was playing this and I'd be like, I'd be reading the news during the day and at night I'd play a little bit of Watch Dogs 2 and I would be doing something in the game that was very reminiscent of the news, like, you know, messing with elections mm-hmm. or whatever, or just, you know, any, mm-hmm. anything like that. I found yeah, that kind I mean, of, uh, yeah, it was a little bit too on the new- nose at points. Yeah, I've, I've felt that, you know, like, you know, they they must have added like the election fraud mission after the uh yeah. election in the U.S. was over. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's, it, it's funny how hackers disrupt uh, an election uh, in, um, in Watch Dogs 2. And, um, uh, you know, we see that play out in real life as well. So, um, yeah. you know, there's, there's, it's set in San Francisco. That already makes it feel uh, very real. Like there's many moments in the game where I, I felt like, Hey, I've walked down those streets. I've walked down mm-hmm. this patch of grass, uh, and so uh, you know, it just uh, uh, really sort of almost seems like a very thin, thinly veiled, uh, realistic um, uh, satire. So. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to jump into some of our topics this week. We're going to be talking about the Nintendo Switch, Super Mario Run, and Star Wars. Um, Kind of the, the big topics here are going to be, you know, uh, the, some, some new technology that we've discovered about the Switch, Super Mario Runs, uh, pricing, and uh, Star Wars. We're going we're gonna to run down some of the, our favorite games there. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to remind everyone you can get more of us on gamesbeat.com. Uh, you can always email the podcast at games plus uh, podcast at venturebeat.com. That's the plus sign in there. Um, finally, if you like what you're listening to, be sure to subscribe. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, if you're on iTunes, feel free to give us a five star review. We would really appreciate it. It helps people find this show and uh, you know discover it without us having to go out and yell in people's faces on the street, which I love to do still. But the the reviews seem to help way more. Um, okay, guys, yeah, I think we should jump into our first topic, and this one's going to be kind of a diner. Uh, that's what we call it when it's a diner. <laughs> it's uh, this is a diner. Um, basically, this is the Nintendo Switch. Last week, you wrote a story, uh, kind of with a couple of sources saying that the Nintendo Switch is going to be using a NVIDIA Maxwell Tegra chip. It's a customized version of that. Um, and the question I have, and this is our topic, is does the Maxwell chip make Nintendo Switch inferior? Uh, but why don't you maybe take it from the beginning, explain what this means for the Switch, and then we can have that discussion. Well, I, I think uh, you know we, we got a big reaction because um, on the one hand, there was almost disbelief that Nintendo would go with an older technology, you know, um, a chip design that was essentially a couple of years old. Yeah, because they would um, never do that. Yeah, and <laughs> and then the other reaction was disbelief that, you know, our story was true. <laughs> and uh, uh, a lot of people were out, out trying to poke holes in it and saying that, uh, oh, a lot of these things have already been reported before. Uh, but, you know, um, you know, we, we don't really 
um, have uh, have have much to say back to that because uh, you know they're, the story's based on anonymous sources. We can't go turn around and say. Yeah, but so and so is my source, and and so uh, you know I know it's yeah we, we know who true, the sources right? are just to be able to clarify, but we can't we can't like tell yeah. everyone who that is because that's not how this works. It was Santa Claus because he knows everything. That's, that's right, it. he's building them uh, right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, the two-year-old technology is uh, uh, based on Maxwell, the architecture that Nvidia uh, created. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, it you know, started out in their, their desktops and waterfalled all the way down to mobile devices uh, like uh, the Tegra chips. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, the Tegra Shield chips uses are, uh, the Maxwell chip, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the newer one, uh, 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 the newer architecture that came out this year was called Pascal. It was um, sort of like a mildly redesigned uh, Maxwell with much uh, lower power. Well, yeah. So uh, let's let's one. talk about the difference between Maxwell and Pascal a little bit. So, Ma- Maxwell, like you said, came out like 2014. It's what's uh, it's the architecture that's inside the GTX 970, 980, um, a lot of that stuff. This year, Nvidia came out with its 10 series, powered by the Pascal architecture. What is the mm-hmm. difference between Pascal and Maxwell? Uh, so, as far as just the um uh, the cores go, uh, you know, not not much change. Uh, the uh, the there is better, much better memory bandwidth in the um, in the ten series uh, Pascal, and then again, uh, much lower uh, power uh, consumption as well. Uh, yeah, but it's, so it's lower power consumption a, because it's a a, sm- uh, a smaller mm-hmm. process, right? So Maxwell yeah. was generally using twenty eight nanometer, and then it they dropped it to twenty nanometer for the Tegra chip to get even better power consumption for the mobile version. And now Pascal is based on a 16 nanometer process. So that's even mm-hmm. smaller, produces even less heat. So it's even more yeah. energy efficient. Yeah, and that, that process change uh, brings its own benefits of, uh, you know, cheaper, faster, smaller. Um, but it also uh, gives uh, someone like Nintendo, you know, a more interesting choice to make. And and that's getting into some of the territory where we don't know exactly what Nintendo chose to do. Um, so we were pretty clear in the article that we, you know, we know that it's a customized version of the Maxwell Tegra X1, which is used in the Shield. Um, and to the degree of customization is sort of the big question there as to how much more capable uh, Nintendo chose to make this thing. And there's different knobs they could play with there. Um, the number of cores on the chip, uh, the size of the chip. If they make it smaller, they make it cheaper, right? Um, and uh, and things like, you know, the way the memory works as well. So that's um, uh, one of those, uh, you know, open questions. And, um, yeah, so the things that, so we know it runs on the Maxwell architecture. And when we say no, it means that we have two sources that have told us this. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, that part but we know. The, the, right. And there's things that we don't know, like you like you were specifying. They, they could make a ton of changes that could make this look very different from the Maxwell X1 Tegra that was inside the shield. And one mm-hmm. of the big things they could change is the process. It mm-hmm. could still be like, and this is just, this is us speculating at this point. This is things that we don't know. It could be the 16 nanometer process, which would have mm-hmm. many of the benefits of Pascal, right? It just, it just isn't, doesn't have that memory, right. the memory bandwidth, the improvements, right? Uh, right, right, and so uh, um, you know, I, I think uh, we we do know that it was not a massive number of uh, 
engineers assigned to this uh, that would suggest a complete redo of uh, mm -hmm. the X one. It's a relatively uh, minor um, change uh, that uh, uh, Nintendo has has asked for. And so, um, so the performance is going to be more like Maxwell um, and uh, and the Tegra X one, which is in the Shield, um, and um, you know. They can they can speed it up uh, through uh, sixteen nanometer, um, you know, higher clock, for example. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's not the thing that everybody wanted it to be, which was uh, you know, or or you know, uh, a lot of people wanted. I don't. I wouldn't say because yeah. like I would argue that I didn't necessarily want it to be a portable PlayStation Four. I guess I mean in my wildest dreams I wanted that, but I always mm -hmm. knew there was there was no chance. So this kind of this jumps us in, in maybe into the topic discussion. Um, I mean, it doesn't really make the Switch inferior to the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, or do we have to take other things into consideration, like the fact that it is a portable system at, at heart? And, Dean, since you you know about this, you're important about this, let's jump to Mike, who is kind of hearing this stuff. Mike, what does this make you feel? So, yeah, like, I don't know as much about all this kind of chip stuff as, as you guys. I mean, I know Dean's, like, a big expert on this. Um, but, I mean, you know, this is kind of... When was the last time Nintendo could say it had the most powerful console on the market? The Super Nintendo, maybe sixty four, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's, that hasn't been their their thing for a while, and I, I guess I just kind of always, you know, I always knew that this thing would be where it's probably going to be, slightly less powerful than Xbox One or PlayStation Four, just like the uh, uh, Wii U was slightly less powerful than a three sixty and playstation uh, 3 even when that thing came out i mean at least it's not the wii where it was just like literally the same tech as the previous generation um and, and it kind of comes out of thing like you know how good does the tech need to be for you know what, what kind of stuff nintendo is going to do right like basically the thing could run legend of zelda breath of the wild then right. or skyrim whatever whatever you know that, that's fine is am i that concerned about like how good is you know Call of Duty gonna look on the Switch if they want to port it over there? Not so much. I, I think the I, the interesting thing to me, like for most people, is that whole portable home console hybrid thing. And I think there's definitely a point where it looks good enough, right? Especially right. once once you're on a screen that small, I I have to imagine there comes kind of a diminishing returns of you know how high the resolution is right. and stuff like oh, that. The, just to, the, to clarify, the rumor is, and this is something we didn't confirm yet, but it's, it seems pretty well confirmed at this point, is that screen is 6.2 inches and it's a 720p screen. Um, that that makes sick. a lot of sense. The, they wouldn't even go to 1080p because on a 6.2 inch screen, going from 720p to 1080p, you don't really get that much of a difference. Like It's hard to tell uh, those extra pixels. They don't make the image look any clearer because our eyes can't distinguish that. Um, you know, you, people say, well, your smartphone, that's at, you know, that's at like way above t 1080p. There's some like ultra HD screens for in, in smartphones, but almost no game runs at 1080p on your phone. They all run at 720p. Those, that resolution's used for text, uh, for reading websites and reading like small little words where that I resolution guess, is, is useful and it's easy yeah. to kind of, uh, to, you know, process that stuff. I, I guess we're, where we're getting into areas where people care about is like, what does it look like on the TV? And right. you know, some of the question there remains: uh, well, Why didn't Nintendo go to 4K on the TV um, well, when you're displaying? They were, it, they were never uh, going to do that. You know. Yeah, and you know, be, be, well, one of the re interesting questions is because the Shield is capable capable of 4K. Well, the Shield, um, I mean, it's capable of doing 4K video, 
let's clarify let's, let's clarify that so the shield uh, uh console which is like a it uses the the latest version of the tegra which is a maxwell it's not a custom maxwell it's just a a, a maxwell architecture tegra uh it can do 1080p video games it can stream 1080p video games from your console uh but it can also stream 4k video from netflix it can also you know, 4K games, I think, from your computer uh, using like the NVIDIA network or whatever, the NVIDIA um, GeForce right. experience, if you have that. So, I mean, are you saying that you, you're pretty sure that the the Switch won't be able to do 4K video uh, like from Netflix? Uh, yeah, that was basically what I understood that it's, it's not. Okay. Well, that, I mean, it is surprising. Uh, well, uh, I'm sorry, Netflix, I don't know about, but I'm talking about uh, the games. Well, okay, so yeah, so be able just, it won't be able to output the games at 4K, but maybe it could still do, like, like streaming video. Yeah, that's just like not something I was like that was like so far from being a possibility with me almost <laughs> ever. That's like you know I don't know. Right, I, I'm much more concerned about just performance in terms of like a steady frame rate, hopefully a high frame rate, right? Yeah. Even um, you know, like Wii U Nintendo games, right? They they usually ran very well. 60 frames per second. Yeah, sure. and that's yeah. kind of like, you know, especially like a Mar- 3D Mario game, man, right? You need that stuff at 60 frames per second, and that's, you know, that's kind of the concern, uh, I suppose. One of, one of our sources was getting more specific about the performance of these boxes. Right? So about a teraflop for the Nintendo Switch, about 1.3 teraflops for the Xbox One, 1.8 for uh, the PlayStation uh, 4. And, you know, Microsoft has come out and said they're going to do six teraflops on uh, uh, Project Scorp- Scorpio when it comes out. Yes, but let's, cl- let's clarify that as well. Because uh, are those all, uh, those aren't, you can't compare those necessarily one to one because a uh, teraflop on AMD architecture is different from one teraflop on, on NVIDIA. Uh, it could be very different. You can get more from NVIDIA in certain circumstances. But if you're on the Tegra, maybe you're getting less per teraflop. Um, and it's also uh, whether or not it's like floating point 16 or 32. Most games run at like 30, floating point 32. This is very technical at this point. The point is, is that maybe those those teraflop numbers aren't always necessarily a one-to-one apples-to-apples comparison. They are right. a good starting point, though. Right. One, one, I mean, one point I was getting to was people people have been wondering and speculating about whether VR is going to be doable on the Switch. Yeah. And, you know, if at a, at a, you know, the Xbox One, Microsoft has said that, you know, uh, you know, VR on it, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe you should wait until Scorpio. If you really Xbox, want to one. Do Xbox One Scorpio is, is the one that's going to be able to do that. That's yeah. where they've started um, talking about VR. And so, um, uh, if, if the Switch is, you know, less powerful than the Xbox One, then you can probably conclude then, okay, VR is really not going to happen. Yeah, that's another thing, though. Uh, I think Mike, you'd, you'd probably agree with this. If VR was a thing, they probably would have been talking about it by now. I think the the things that they've shown in their trailer, where it's just you plug it into your home system, you take it out, and you're playing games on the go. That whole process of the Switch is the thing that they are selling this on, and VR was actually kind of now a, a dream that's not possible. And we we all kind of knew that. Yeah, I mean, I, does does everybody need to do VR? I, I guess no. it's kind of my question, right? I mean. We already have the you know the PC solutions. We have Sony, and we know Xbox One's going to have one. Is it going to be that big a deal if Nintendo doesn't do its kind of Me Too VR thing? It doesn't really bother me necessarily. So, so here's my my thing. I just don't want the power of the Switch to be the reason that third parties don't support it. Now, I don't necessarily need third parties to support it in a huge way, 
but I do I do sort of like the idea of having the next Bethesda game on my Switch so that I can play it on my TV and then play it on the go on one device. That it, that's uh, that's interesting to me, and I would imagine it would be a big selling point for a lot of people out there. Sure. And the more successful this thing is, the more games it'll get. Uh, the be- you know the better it'll perform. The more uh, money Nintendo can pour into first party development. It all just sort of leads into this bigger ecosystem that I want the Switch to have. So I, that's my concern. And Dean, do you think that it's powerful enough for most third parties? Do you think EA will be able to support this system with the with the power that's inside the Switch that we under as we understand it? Uh, yes, and uh, you know, based on the reporting, um, you know, we did hear that uh, uh, Nintendo's throwing a wider net. It's trying to recruit more third parties, and those third parties are coming along. Even from the the screen that it shared uh, from you know the um, the original video showing all of the different uh, supporters. Uh, if you notice, Unreal is on there, and um, you know, Epic hasn't really been a supporter of. Nintendo consoles. And here, uh, Epic is putting out a lot of engineering work uh, to make sure that Unreal Engine games uh, can run on the Switch. And right. um, you know, those those games are typically uh, much more demanding uh, than uh, ones you'll find on, say, Unity. Uh, and so, um, you know, if 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 that is is going to be present, and it's going to make it a much easier for game companies to make games for the Switch. Uh, then, um, you know, the, the concern that people have that um, it's not high-end enough uh, like is, is mitigated. Uh, and if you can run Unreal Engine games on, on this box, then what is your problem, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. so, okay, so I think kind of wrapping this, this up, I think that the concern about Maxwell may be overstated, especially if they do use a 16 nanometer process, which is still possible. If, even if they don't, 20 nanometers is uh, the difference between the Maxwell 20 nanometers and Pascal uh, wasn't enough to really probably for Nintendo to wait. Like our story, as you reported it, Dean, the reason Nintendo isn't using Pascal, the biggest reason is it's not ready as the mobile ship, that the Tegra version is just not ready yet. Had it yeah. been ready, they probably would have used it. Uh, it's not, and the only way they'd be able to use it is if they delayed the, the Switch in, until later this year. So the fact that they're pushing it out now, it's, it kind of signifies to me that Nintendo is perfectly happy with the power in this. As you pointed out, the fact that Epic is supporting this, saying the Unreal Engine's working, is a, is a huge sign to me as well, that third parties probably will support this, or at least at least the power won't be the reason that they don't. Who knows? There's probably going to be a million, million other reasons that third parties don't want to work with Nintendo. But the, I don't think the power is going, going to be the issue. Um, and, and yeah, and finally, I'd want to point out that. Device. Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I'd want to point out that the reason Nintendo didn't want to wait was it's not only because the Wii U wasn't selling. Um, I, I think it's because they felt like they had something good with the hybrid, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, strategy of going both mobile and going to, uh, you know, using the same machine for the TV. Uh, that they wanted to get it out. Uh, and get it out before anybody else really uh, gave it a shot. And um, that sort of goes back to the fact that they started developing, you know, the tablet screen for the Wii U, the Wii U. Uh, quite a long time before anybody had mentioned um, the iPad. <laughs> but they shipped it like two years after the iPad came out. And so by and then, then it was it. it was no longer a big deal. It was no, no longer novel, and the Wii U right. didn't take off. So so they and I think they've learned that. Happening that again. Yeah, they've learned that urgency is really important in getting mm-hmm. your hardware out. 
Yep, that sounds pretty good. So I, I think that's going to wrap up that topic. It's um, it, maybe it is a, a little inferior just in terms of raw power. Of, of course it is, but I don't. I wouldn't call it an inferior console just because if you take it and look at it as a handheld, uh, then in that case, you know, Xbox One and PlayStation Four aren't even capable of that, and that makes them inferior in that way. So, so yeah, so I'm not worried about that. Moving on, uh, we're still we're still going to be talking about Nintendo. This time it's its other mobile strategy. Super Mario Run. This game came out last week, was it? Yeah, it's only been out for a few days now. Um, I don't, I don't have it because I don't. I have an Android, which makes uh, me very sad. Uh, but you <laughs> both have been playing it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Dean's gonna rub it in my face right now. I can tell. So oh, uh, the big, the big, the big question here is: Did Nintendo goof up by making Super Mario Run cost ten dollars? It's a free thing to download, but to unlock the whole thing, yeah, there he is. Yes, yeah, this is just mean. This is just this is cruel cruelty. I hate it. Um, the game costs ten dollars after you download it for free and play the first three levels, and it's getting kind of hammered on the user reviews on Apple. And I think the price is the big reason. There's some other stuff, always online, uh, always online connection that I don't like either. But I think the ten dollar price is the big thing here. Do you guys believe that Nintendo goofed up by making the game ten dollars? Uh, let's start with you, Mike. Uh, I mean, I think they goofed up in that maybe they underestimated how much people would kind of whine about that. I think they made a $10 product, but (laughs) (laughs) right. And I just think that the mobile, uh, gamer kind of consumer base is just so used to free to play that it's just like, they just can't accept it. Right. They just can't accept buying a game for ten dollars on their phone, even if it's like a Mario game that's you know pretty good and pretty you know has a lot of features and and all this stuff, but you know as soon as they like, I, I, I the other interesting thing too is like a lot of them feel like manipulated, right? Even though the tech was always very straightforward about like the free version not having much, right, and just kind of being a thing. Like once you play those three levels and says, hey, you have to pay for the rest of it. I think in Nintendo's mind, this is like a good thing. Like, oh, people can try it before they buy it. But to like a lot of consumers, it's like, what is this? They like tricked me into <laughs> downloading this, and now they want me to pay for it. You almost wonder if it would have been better if there wasn't a trial version. It was just pay ten dollars and get it. It's it's Mario will probably like it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. The whole thing's kind of sad. I, I think in a way because I I like that somebody just you know made a mobile game cost ten dollars and it's pretty good and it's worth that and. I, I'm glad it doesn't have, you know, microtransactions and, and all this stuff. But I, I feel like the lesson that consumers is, is teaching Nintendo is no, we, we don't want that. We want a free to play game and, you know, don't don't make it cost ten dollars, but sell us uh stupid things. I don't know. And there's like so many things in that game that could be microtransactions. Right. Like you unlock characters and you have to like you have like a mushroom kingdom that you build. And there should be so there's so many opportunities there for lame uh, microtransactions and like, oh, you're starting to build a mushroom house. What'll well, take eight hours, but you can pay two dollars right now. Be ready now. I guess like that's what they'll probably end up doing on whatever their next thing is. Because I feel like they are kind of learning here that consumers don't like premium priced mobile games. That's possible. How about how about you, Dean? What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it sort of makes me uh, wonder just how smart uh, some consumers are again. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think that um, uh, you know they, they don't they don't um, maybe realize that Nintendo was actually not being greedy uh, by know. by setting a ten dollar price. Um, Nintendo uh, knows <laughs> that free to play um, can be a gigantic 
you know, gold mine. Uh, yeah, they've, they've seen companies. the Pokemon and, Go numbers. They yeah, know what kind Pokemon of money Go is in has, play. has done enormously well with you know six hundred million dollars in microtransactions in the first ninety days, right? Completely yeah. free to play game, and and so these people who are playing Pokemon Go aren't necessarily getting a great bargain, particularly the ones that are are buying all the stuff in it. And uh, uh, you know, I wrote a story about this guy who played Modern War from Gree. And, uh, you know, he, he claimed that he spent $2 million, was it? Yeah, $2 million over uh, four years in the game. Now, you know, if Gree had set that game's price at $10, um, you know, he would have been uh, playing it for four years for $10, right? And yeah, so, and Gree would have know, missed out on a lot of money. Like yeah. Gree, that, so Gree, it would have been so, the opposite of greed, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So Nintendo definitely, um, you know, isn't being greedy by setting a $10 price. Now... Uh, now, you know, like whether or not uh, the game itself is good enough to be worth $10, then that's sort of like a separate uh, question. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's a, a familiar game. It's, you know, there's, there's not much to it. Uh, it is slightly different than what you feel like you play on a, on the TV or on a, on a 3DS. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, I think $10 is a very fair price for that. And you're right that the you know the free levels somehow you know um, are meant to be a, a kindness, which is you know you can actually try this game out before you pay your ten dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. And the interpretation that got twisted is is that you know, like oh you tricked me into playing these three levels, and now <laughs> you're sticking this paywall in front of me, and I can't get past the paywall. And you know like oh my god, you know how so evil here's can you be? Here's my thing about this. Yeah. Here's my thing. Uh, so I feel like the people who are complaining the most or the loudest, maybe not everyone, uh, they are the people who have never paid any money ever for a mobile game, uh, microtransaction or otherwise. And we know that this is a huge portion of the number of people who play mobile games. You know, something like 5% monetize, like something like that. You know, maybe it's more in other games, less in others. Um, and then like 2% of like of the overall actually pay for the game really because they're the whales. They spend a ton of money and they subsidize the play of everyone else. So there's this group of people who are used to never, ever, ever paying for mobile games. It is their, their, you know, closely held belief instead of like, it's inside of their heart. I do not pay to play mobile games and I never, ever will. And I've talked to these people, I've heard them and they, they say that they're like, I'll never play for a mobile game. That's insane. Why would anyone ever do that? And so I don't know. I don't necessarily know if Nintendo, you're probably right, Mike. Nintendo probably isn't learning the lesson that they can't really charge $10 for a mobile game, but that that's actually not the real lesson. I think they probably will take that away from this, but right. the, the, what, what they're, what, what's actually happened is, is the people who never pay aren't paying and they're just being loud about it. And Nintendo is still in general making a pretty good amount of money from this game. Um, I think, you know, we have estimations so far, but the estimations are it's made about 20, $21 million. Those aren't Pokemon Go numbers, um, you know, but that's on like 25 million downloads. So they're making you know, a little bit less than a dollar per download. Um, and it has more downloads in, through its first four days than any app ever. So a dollar per download is probably about the same as most other games get. Like that was Pokemon Go. It had 500 million downloads and it made about $500 million. So a dollar per download. So, you know, Super Mario Run is doing a little bit worse than that, but not that much worse. And at the same time, it's still this $10 game that is uh, 
actually a favor to most people who understand how this process works. Like I'm like right now I'm a uh, playing a new Star Wars game. I don't think it's out yet on most on mo- in most territories, but it's a uh, Star Wars Force Arena. I think it's called, and it that is exactly right. a clone of Clash Royale, one of the biggest games of the past year from Supercell. And I like the game a lot, but boy, every time I get reminded of free to play monetization, it really bums me out because it's like. They're, they're giving you a free card pack every once in a while, and you earn cards card packs when you win. And to unlock the card packs, you have to click on them and then wait eight hours. <laughs> if you buy you a doubler, you can, get, you can get it in four hours instead. So, of course, you have to buy the doubler because just think about that. That's like, okay, if I can get it in four hours, I could play this game a couple times a day and get more card packs. And you could only have a, lim- a finite number of card packs at a time. And my brain starts going down the trail of all the ways in which this game is purposely wasting, wasting my time. So it puts me in pain so that I will spend money so that I can avoid that pain. And video games for me were always a way to avoid ever thinking about money in my life ever. Money is like one of the things I'm really terrible at. I'm no good at it at all. So I go play a video game. It's a thing like, okay, I pay a little bit of money and I have this world that's finite and complete. And if I go into this world, I can kind of control it and manipulate it. And I don't have to think about all these outside economic factors. But mobile gaming is just that for me. And it bums me out. So I, I was really happy to see Nintendo do this and try this something different. And it it almost kind of makes me a little uh, giddy, a little happy that there are all these people whining about this game <laughs> and how, how it costs money. And I'm like, okay, go ahead and whine. You just won't get to play it. And that makes me happy. Like, I will. See, I'm gonna I, I'll be fine that too. But again, I just, I could see Super Mario Run 2 now free to play, like on the horizon. No, you're right. You're, you're, that's it's totally going to happen too. Animal Crossing 100% will have free-to-play microtransactions. 100%. That's the next like Animal Crossing. Because Nintendo, their next couple of mobile games are Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing. At Fire least Animal Crossing. I have no idea what that's going to be like. Yeah, me neither. But they probably will, both will be free-to-play. Uh, Animal Crossing, without yeah. a doubt. I have no doubt in my mind, though. That's going to be, you know, uh, you know, just one microtransaction after another. Um, and I'm wondering how they're going to pull that off. But I'm sure it's going to make a ton of money. But yes, that's, I think, so I don't think they goofed up. May, I mean, of course they could have made more money by going free to play. Um, and of course they would have avoided a lot of this whining. And maybe Nintendo could have done a better job of letting people know what they get for spending their money. I understand that's some of the criticism that people are like, okay, I've played these three levels. What does spending $10 get me? I, I don't really understand. But at the same time, I think Nintendo, like Mike, like you said, they've been very clear. Like 10 bucks, you get the whole game. Like right. That's that's what happens. So. So yeah, I I wouldn't say they goofed up. Okay. All right, guys. Um, let's move on to our last topic, Star Wars. Uh, Rogue One just came out, so I kind of wanted to look back at some Star Wars games, and I think we should try to let, uh, rank the top five Star Wars ga- Star Wars oh, games. Man. Is that all? So, so w- where do you guys want to start with this? Kotor is number one. Duh. <laughs> right. Oh, man, that's a good that's a good start. How about Does you? Anyone- you like how can you? I don't. I don't know what you put in front of Knights of the Old Republic. It's kind of just point essential right now, right? It's the best Star Wars story we got told. I mean, it's still like a super fun kind of old school Bioware role playing game, which might be better than modern Bioware role playing games at this point. Uh, you know, and it's a uh, it's good stuff, but it doesn't like it doesn't like really d- d- rely too much on like old Star Wars nostalgia, right? It's not like doing the original trilogy thing it's not doing the prequel trilogy thing it's it's like familiar it's definitely star wars but it's got a lot of its own stuff going on it's all these different characters um 
all these new planets and, and whatnot. Uh, just very satisfying game to play through and uh, classic for all times. So there. Okay. So I, I, I like that argument. I'm glad we kind of talked that one out. That's definitely going to be on the list without a doubt. So right now we have Knights of the Old Republic. Dean, do you have a game you would add to this list? I'm trying to remember that my favorite. It's the, the shooter one from many years ago. Um, what dark forces yeah dark forces <laughs> doom, like the quake it was a quake was born uh, uh i think it was long, based in quake, 1995 yeah see i was more a fan of like the yeah. sequels to that like um the first jedi knight and the jedi outcast especially i was really a fan of i um i i i think i would agree with with, with that mike i liked uh Jedi Knight Two, Jedi Outcast. Um, a little, I think it. D- Dark Forces was definitely um, influential and important, but you're right. I think the sequels were um, a bigger deal. The the funny thing about Jedi Outcast, it's like one of those like last like shooters that just kind of like once Halo came, and then even more so of uh, Call of Duty and kind of changed things. Like you play uh, Jedi Outcast, and you're still like kind of wandering around and finding key cards and you have like, you know, one through 10 and your keyboard switch through all the weapons and just kind of like <laughs> that stuff that used to be how these things worked, like from doom until literally like Jedi outcast. And then right after that it's halo and it's all different. All right. Yeah, I'm looking back at the graphics and they, they just look horrible right now. <laughs> That's an old game, Dean. But uh, yeah, they, all right, I'm, uh, I'm making a list and I'm going to put it. Forces right seems to have been back then. I don't know. I, I, I'm skeptical of Dean's eye for these things after the story he wrote about Rogue One today, but we'll let, we'll, we won't talk about that. It's a spoiler. Uh-huh. <laughs> what did he? What did he? I'm gonna have to read this. Okay. All right. So we have Knights of the Old Republic, uh, Jedi Knight Two, right, and then Dark Forces. Sorry. What about some of the other shooters? I think the other one everybody really likes is uh, uh, Republic Rogue's- Commando. Uh, yeah, Republic Commando was the really fun one, right? So I, I would put, I would, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Battlefront, but let's talk about Republic Commando a little bit. I was, um, I was always really surprised by Republic Commando. So it was like a, a prequel area era, era game uh, came out for like the original Xbox, right, and PC maybe, um, right? And it was the shooter where you're like the the elite elite clone troopers who are going in and doing all these special you know forces operations and you're a group of four and they each have their own personalities and you command them to do special things like one's a demolitions guy so when you have to blow something up you send him in um and i thought that game was really well made and really interesting and probably would have been a a very good game even if it didn't have the star wars license um so yeah I, i would have it up on this list for sure yeah, I mean, in some ways it was almost good despite the Star Wars lasers because it was all that kind of prequel stuff that we didn't really yeah. like. And it was actually still, like, relevant at that time. I was like, oh, God, this stuff. It was probably, like, the best thing to come out of that whole prequel stuff, like that and the those original mm-hmm. Clone Wars cartoons. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was hard to say. It wasn't like the game was ever doing anything, like, super new or crazy, but it, just, it was just very well made. Just a very, like, well-paced game. It was a fun game. The kind of interactions amongst those four was really interesting. Plus, it was kind of, even though they weren't quite Stormtroopers, we never really had, like, a full-on, like, you're a, kind of, like, amongst the Stormtroopers game, right? Yeah, like, stuff like X-Wing and TIE Fighter, but uh, it, it seemed neat. All right, so, Dean, you mentioned Battlefront. Would you want Battlefront on the top five? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's just, you know, 
it's ve- it's very good, but I it was I thought it was very easy to throw away at the same time. Like right. as soon as another game came along, I was sort of done with Battlefront. Now I, I've gone. Now, back I liked to it, man. We me and Jeff were big Battlefront defenders too. Yes, and I, yes, <laughs> exactly. Like I liked it a lot when I played it, but it, I just think it's a little bit too forgettable. And I think we're gonna have to wait for a sequel to, to like, really, really appreciate what they've done here. What about the other Battlefronts? I was never a big fan. I was never a huge fan. I know everybody yeah. is like, oh, this isn't like those old, really good Battlefronts. Yeah, I was like, I'm those like, games were okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know that's like yeah. blasphemy, but I'm like, good. Um, I, I, well, I mean, it's I on the list I, I kind of like the Star Wars The Force Unleashed for its story. <laughs> and then the, that's, that's why it's not canon anymore. It doesn't matter. The ex, <laughs> uh, the execution <laughs> uh, was... Uh, I guess uh, a little something to be desired. I guess. But, uh, I almost had like the opposite thing. I liked the lightsaber, like fighting and the like the force physics, whereas like everything else about it was kind of whatever for me. I I, think, I like the uh, thing where he brought down the star, dest- or the star destroyer in like the I, preview, the trailer. I disliked that. Okay, heavily. Well, I like that. But uh, I think it's too flawed. Once to be it, a like wasn't really a thing in the game. Yeah. What about well, I, I, now? I haven't um, played these games, but I feel like everybody loves the those flight simulators, the X Wing and the Tie Fighter, X Wing versus Tie Fighter, X Wing cross Tie Fighter. I, I was a bit too young, I think, and I wasn't Me into too. PC gaming at the time. Dean, do you have any experience with the, with the Tie well, Fighter X Wing series? I would go. I would go back farther to uh, Star Wars Rebel Assault in 1993. Um, I okay, the, that I did play. That was like I the FAV game, right? With like <laughs> yeah. the, First CD-ROM uh, game to be published. Yeah, it came with like every like if you like bought like a CD-ROM for your 486 or whatever, it would come with a copy of Rebel Assault. <laughs> that game was, it was interesting, but it was also pretty whack. I mean, it's yeah. it's very basic if you go back and play it now. Yeah, uh, I I had I spent a lot of hours with that one. Uh, I, I did too. It was one of the, like the good old uh, days. Yeah, that and that <laughs> Sherlock Holmes game, the Sherlock Holmes FMV game, which I, I want to go back and play, but I haven't played in a while. But that's off the topic. All right, so let me uh, bring my up. Star Wars thing over here. Okay, so what other games should we pop on this list? How about the N64 GameCube? Um, I think the shares. best of those, if you're talking about like the, the kind of the Rogue Squadron series, or yes. if you want to maybe even include Chelsea Upper, I think Rogue Leader, which was that GameCube launch game. Yes, I, that's the one I would go with too. Those. And I can't, right. I definitely want that on this list, I think. I can I can see that. Maybe a number five, but I could see that. I mean, that was, especially at the time, that was the most like kind of wish fulfillment Star Wars game. Outside of like wanting to be a Jedi, that's, it's always, you know, fly the X-Wing. Like the very right. first thing you do in that game is uh, the Death Star run. It was just so cool. It's still fun to play that today. And yeah, they made that, that sequel uh, for the GameCube. It's just like it had a lot of the ground stuff. It just was like worse. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of better. I, I understand they were trying to do something different, and they had like a covered sure. a lot of the ground that they could cover. And, oh, that was a bad pun. But um, they uh in in Rogue Squadron two, like I remember waiting for the GameCube to come out and like having um like the demo disc or the demo station at like you know different game stores, and I would go and I'd play it over and over and over, and then when the GameCube came out, it came with a demo disc for it, and I played that over and over and like practically wore out that disc. So yeah, I like that a lot. I I, w- I hope it sticks on at number five. Um, I'm trying to think. Do you, do you guys have anything else like big that we should make sure that is on this list so far before we start arranging? Oh, uh, well, that fighting in the Masters of Terror Sai or whatever. Oh yeah, that's number one. I doubt. <laughs> There, I, I do think it's time to try again with the whole Star Wars fighting game idea. You could do yeah, something probably. there. 
Like, it was cool when Vader and Yoda were in Soul Calibur 4. Is that that one? Yeah. Um, um, is there any love for Kotor, KOTOR 2? It's, I don't think anybody likes KOTOR. Like, I think there's some love for it, but nobody would say it's better than KOTOR 1. I, I've known people who said that, but I think they're like a small group who like love Obsidian. What, what are you saying, Dean? What should we put on here? I would put a uh, Lego Star Wars in. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask that's about sort that. Of the, that's the way that my kids actually learned the whole Star Wars story before they saw the movie. Well, that's I a lot bad father. That's just, <laughs> that's just bad parenting, man. I'm just like... Um, um, the whole Lego thing is... I, at the time when it was like the first one doing that, it was really cool. At this point, it's just been so many lego games where i can't even probably enjoy those original star wars lego games anymore it's just like <laughs> something i've done so much now at this mm-hmm. point i don't know how like i think they're a really cool time i don't know how incredibly well they they hold up um let's talk about a few more soup like the super nintendo series like the super those are star fun wars. platformers are really mm-hmm. hard but they're, they're very not like, hard yeah they're not like you know all-time great games yeah, well, uh, yeah like a lot, of those, a lot of the strategy games none of them ever really hit that well for me i know jason no, no. actually likes them he probably be, i know there's one that here. people are like this was underappreciated but yeah i i know at the time all of them were panned the only, yeah the only one i really like even played a little bit was the one that was literally just the uh age of empires 2 clone like it was the same right. engine and everything they just put star wars stuff over it and i liked that because i liked age of empires 2 and it was just all right <laughs> sure i can play this yeah yeah, I'm not seeing anything else that we have to add to this list. Um, what about uh, uh, the online games, Star Wars? Galaxy? Oh yeah, the Old Republic. Uh, Republic's still going. I'll give it that much. Uh, people I count people that out really while, like that. Like but I, I haven't played it enough to. I think ever. they've done a pretty good job, kind of turning it around and like finding its identity yes. as sort of like this uh, very like almost like a single player, not, not really a single player, but like where the multiplayer stuff is kind of like complementary to like going through just this persistent world and doing your single player story and whatnot. Yeah. I think the game has definitely earned its place yeah. where it's at now. Star Wars uh, galaxies was actually, it was really interesting in a way, right? Cause it was not just a Warcraft clone or EverQuest clone. Like, it really did try to like make like a star Wars world where maybe you're, you weren't fighting things. Maybe you were a tavern dancer and that was what you did. And it was very social and, Strange, and it ultimately didn't work, but I I admired it for what it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and there's I, the, I, I the, was... the new one that uh, on mobile that you know a lot of that has been very very popular. Star Wars Galaxy. Yeah, Heroes. any of these mobile games, I, I I'm just I mean it's not out yet, so I'm not going to put Force Arena on there. It is a very good game, but it is absolutely a Clash Royale clone. It's a Clash Royale clone with like Dota heroes, um, <laughs> Dota heroes that are Han Solo and Leia and stuff. Um, but I, I wouldn't put any other mobile game on here, uh, from the star Wars series. Would you guys? Nah, they're all fine, but they're all mobile. Maybe if they cost $10, they would have been better. That's a good point. (laughs) I'm with you there. All right. Let's start arranging this list. Um, I, let's just go, let's lock it in. Knights of the Old Republic at at one. I I think that's right. Yeah. Um, it's one of the first like big RPGs I played, Western RPGs I played and I, it really clicked for me. And I played through the whole thing. I really loved it. Um, I, I it's like go if there was going game, to be one like Star Wars game that like would get turned into a movie, it would be Knights of the Republic. There's almost yeah, like, like it's it, it that. Esta- you're right. It established its own its own ethos and, and 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 you know mythology and that was separate from the Star Wars that we knew, but was still the Star Wars galaxy clearly. And on top of that, it just had really great storytelling, um, character storytelling that I right. really appreciated. 
Um, Dean, any any fight there for anything else? Well, my vote is for Rebel Assault, but you guys have not oh even God. bothered to put it on the list. I, I did oh, not even vote me okay. again. Just oh Dean, I thought vote. Rebel Assault was I'm cheesy just used when to I played it when I was 10. There. There, there, there. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I liked Rebel Assault 2. It should be number two, fine. though. It should be number two. Okay. Yeah, um, we oh, should make this should a... be hit place at number two. D, we're already we're helping you here. At the yeah. at the number of hours I put into it, it should be like number two. Uh, I do feel bad that we basically just put Dean's three suggestions on the bottom of. Well, the we list. haven't we haven't arranged anything yet. So, but yeah, they are they are down there. I'm not. I can't see putting. Any I just of these can't above do it though. But I actually, I put a lot of hours into that game because I just I think I played the same level over and over and over. Again, yeah, trying to like the first one, like. There's the 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 training level on Tatooine. Level, yeah, yeah, and that was cool. But it was you're basically just moving a cursor <laughs> around like a also? like a video. Like it's oh, it's so bad. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like uh, what's that game with Dirk the Brave or whatever? It's like Dragon's Lair. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just Dragon's, Dragon's Lair. Lair. <laughs> God. Uh, okay. All right. So I'm gonna hear for people listening on the podcast. I'm gonna read the list again. Uh, this is not in order except for number one knights of the old republic jedi knight 2 dark forces republic commando star wars rogue leader rogue squadron 2 star wars battlefront lego star wars and rebel assault <laughs> um you guys want to move this around at all i think i kind of want to move down dark forces uh eight to two <laughs> god damn it dean i'm gonna sneak dean? it in there <laughs> if you can't sneak it in, there's three of us. There's no sneaking <laughs> and, in. And he controls the list. Yeah, I, I see what you're trying to do. All right. Um, I don't know. Dark Forces, I don't think, should go too low. I think Republic Commando Jedi 2 maybe ahead of it. Uh, and maybe Rogue Leader. Is Rogue Leader number two? Is that is that where that is? No, it's at number four right now. I'm, yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is, oh, is it number two? I think it might be number two. I think it might be uh, number two. I think it stands out... Um, in the same way that Knights of the Old Republic stands out, where it isn't relying so so much on the very the very specific parts of the movies, it's like drawing off the canvas in interesting ways, uh, and using a lot of the extended universe stuff to establish something original. Um, and at the same time, those the flighting the, the flight action was very good. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm I'm happy with putting that in at number two. Um, now, Dean. Yeah. If you are serious about Rebel Assault in this top five, top five, mind you, we're gonna have to drop something like Dark Forces to get it on there. Well, I did. I think I think Dark Forces was better. So. All right. So all right. So you said it yourself. All right. So all right. Let's um. Let's make a little gap here. And Dark Forces is one that Dean suggested, Mike. So we are going to get a Dean on here. I, I agree with him on Dark Forces. Dark Forces was was pretty cool. I do, I do too. So Knights of the Old Republic at one, Rogue Leader, Rogue Squadron two at number two, Jedi Knight two at three, Republic Commando at four, Dark Forces at five. We're starting to feel like this is getting to be closer. It seems pretty good. I guess it seems a little first person shooter heavy. But I guess they. What else would we put in? What else? Yeah, I guess that's kind of where they. I mean, they for some reason always done better in that genre than. I like that pod racing game. Actually, that was actually a pretty good game. It was pod racer for the Dreamcast. The Dreamcasters in sixty four. It was definitely better on the Dreamcast, but either one. Oh, it was way better on Dreamcast. Yeah, no, clearly, but what? Whatever, still worked on in sixty four. I don't want to. Dean's Dark Forces off for it though. 
Maybe Dark yeah. Forces is ahead of Republic Commando. Maybe Pod Racer is at number five. So what, what, say that again. Maybe Dark Forces is number four, and then Pod Racer is number five. Okay, what are we dropping? Re- dropping Commando. Commando, I think. Well, yeah, I like Jedi Knight more than Republic Commando. Yeah. Okay. So, what's the find out the name of that game for me? The Pod Racer. I think it's just called Pod Racer. There was a sequel called Jedi. No, there's, I forget what the sequel is called. Bombast Racing. Racer Jedi Bombast Racing. Jedi Pod Mario Kart player. Excuse my mechanical keyboard. Uh, it's called Star Wars somewhere. Episode One: Colon oh, no. Pod Racer. Never Literally, mind. <laughs> never mind. We're not putting it on here. <laughs> <laughs> Just to remind you. Yeah. Oh God. Okay, so making that gap again. I guess. Let's see. Do we have enough for ten now? Maybe we could just make a. We can if we put one more on. No, here, no, get the end. five. Let's wrap All this right. up. God, just trying to be <laughs> diplomatic, Mike. Get him off there. Um, so right. long, Ma- loser games. <laughs> Knights of the Old Republic, number one. Number two is Rogue Leader. Number three is Jedi Knight Two. Number four is Pod Racer, and number five is Dark Forces. Yeah, you, you have to say its full name. It's Dark Forces Three, Jedi Knight Two, Jedi Outcast. Then there's Jedi Academy, which is Dark Forces Four, Jedi Knight Three, Jedi Outcast Two, Jedi Academy. <laughs> <laughs> It, it really should be disqualified just for that. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I feel good about this list. Any any quabbles or squabbles or any uh, qualms? I think they should make a Rogue One game now. I agree with that. I hope, but who knows? It'll be a mobile game. I think I had enough Rogue One from the movie. I, I oh. don't like you're not as into it as other people, but I, I love. I don't it. hate. I didn't hate I, it. I know but... you don't hate it. I know you like it. You like the movie. It's just... yeah, it was fun. It was a fun movie to watch, but I don't know when I'm seeing like these these headlines like best star wars movie ever i'm like what? i had to get some people that generally didn't like star wars to begin with but yeah <laughs> we, we, we could have this conversation elsewhere i loved sure, sure. it um it's very unlike so yeah, a this, star wars movie um, yes it's very different yes we could just talk actually we could just talk about it screw it let's throw away this whole podcast just talk about rogue one <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> i like i like the shades of gray all right i don't i like i know you don't rebels good empire bad that's what rebels, i like the the good rebels that we had in the other movies are good, and the Empire is bad. But there has to be the oh, never mind. Here we go. Never mind. <laughs> Star Wars top five, Knights of the Old Republic, Star Wars Rogue Leader, Rogue Squadron two, Jedi Knight two, and then like fifty other words. Star Wars Episode one, Pod Racer, uh, Star Wars Dark Forces. That's a pretty good list. All right. Yeah. Like That's it. our top five. Happy to get right, my one in there. Yeah, yeah, you got dark. You snuck dark forces in. Uh, special mention to Rebel Assault. You know, special. <laughs> of course. Th- yeah, the cheesy Star Wars game. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Yeah, I think that's gonna do it. So, oh, the arcade game. We forgot the arcade game. What you that? know that arcade game actually was sweet. Put that in number I six, like and you have a top ten list. Yeah, Star oh Wars arcade. Oh my god, <laughs> that game was awesome. That that's still in movie theater like lobbies all over the world. It's great. Oh my god, that just happened. So now Rebel Assault is on our top ten list. <laughs> Star Wars Arcade. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is a nightmare. Um, yeah, okay, Lego Star Wars. Okay, so here's the full top ten now. Knights of the Oral Public, Star Wars Rogue Leader, uh, Jedi Knight 2, Star Wars 1, Episode 1, or Star Wars Episode 1 Pod Racer, Dark Forces. Then at number six, Star Wars Arcade, which I think is just the actual name, right? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Republic Even Commander. 1983. What? No, now we're talking about different ones now. No, oh my god, please. I'm not talking about the old one. I'm talking about the one that oh. was alive when I was alive. 
the uh, the, the <laughs> better one. So disappointed now. Oh, I mean, yes, the old team. one. <laughs> they can say the old one too. Fine. Yeah, fine. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care anymore. I, I, got, I thought we met that one with like yeah, the one, the, the one from the, like Namco or whatever. It's like Dreamcast graphics. Yeah, you blow up the Death Star in the other one too, or like, but you can actually light you light saber fight with Death Star in all of them. Yeah, you, it's like you can't go a day in Star Wars without blowing up a Death Star. All right, then number seven, Republic Commando. Number eight, Battlefront. Number number nine, Lego Star Wars. Number ten, Rebel Assault. Oh my all god! Right. Damn, damn. All right, guys, I think that's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, I think that'll do it. That'll do, kid. Alrighty. All right, that brings us to the end. Uh, Dean, I want you to tell everyone where they can find you on the internet so they can, you know, chase you and stalk you. Oh, uh, well, they can find me on VentureBeat and uh, Gamespeed.com. And then your Twitter is Dean Tack. Oh, Dean Tack, yeah. All right, and then Mike? Um, I'm Tokoto on Twitter, and you can find me at, you know, VentureBeat, and also uh, do the Exploding Barrel podcast with my brother at ebpodcast.com. And I am, it still says I'm Jeff Grubb Poop Butt McFarties. <laughs> okay, no, I added I the other part. Yeah. yeah, I'm uh, I'm Jeff Grubb on Twitter. Uh, and sometimes I make you, uh, videos on YouTube. You can get them there on youtube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb. And that's it. That's it. That's it for the podcast. Uh, I'm going to go try to watch Rogue One again before I have a baby. Because um, that's right. like the last movie I see. Uh, you guys have a good week. And we're going to see you all next week. It'll be after Christmas. I think, yeah, because Christmas is on Sunday. We're back on Monday. Me and Mike will do a podcast, and, but then we're also going to have Game of the Year and a few other end-of-year podcasts next week. So you know, look out in the feed. We're going to have a bunch of stuff for you uh, to wrap up 2016 nice and tight in a cute little bow, even though I'm terrible at wrapping presents. So, yeah, it'll be good. All right, guys, uh, say goodbye, wave, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. What's the outro? Still no cats. No cats.